All right, whisper in the mic again. Closer. <laughs> Welcome back to Rules is Run the D podcast where we teach you how to play DD. We are in a short rest. Welcome back. Yeah, it's short. The tavern. The short rest. Resting. What are we talking about today, JT? We're going to go back into downtime activities. Ooh. Yeah, but we're in the short rest tavern, which means. Yeah, it's just all ad lib, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is our take on it. This is some of our thoughts, our musings. Hopefully, this gives you some kind of inspiration. Hey. Nice. To. Create some of your own stuff. Let's jump right in. What's the first thing we've been talking about? Jobs. Yeah. So, jobs make sense because I think that's like a pretty like linear thing to think about when you want to do something in a town. Yeah. There's some there's some jobs in the player's handbook or the DMG or Xanathar's or something, but they're very boring jobs. They're like you chop wood for an hour, two silver. Well done, you. <laughs> I'm talking about maybe being a hired guard. Yeah, we're adding some paprika to this soup. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe being a mercenary. Mm. Maybe being a bounty hunter. Now, we've had a bit of experience this. Uh, I ran a pretty cool session. Oh, I think it was pretty cool. Yeah, we did. Where um, you're on flute over there. Oh, well, wait wait till I remind (laughs) you of the session. (laughs) Where you guys had to defend a bridge. Yeah, I guess that was a job. It turned into a whole... Thing. You could tell me, was that a good session? Yeah, it was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sound too convinced. <laughs> so so what, what was your experience with that? I mean, honestly, it's kind of thrust upon us, right? <laughs> we were just trying to travel somewhere, and we were told that we had to def- just guard this bridge. Yeah, this wasn't a job that you guys seeked out. Yeah, so that might be a little bit different. But it's a pretty, like, good session-in-a-box idea, right? Mm. Where it's like... You have this thing that you are responsible for for some time. And I feel like what I noticed about it is that, like, you gave us, like, this responsibility. This is your bridge, right? To, like, <laughs> just hang out here and collect fares or whatever. And it very quickly became a very big, well, it's our bridge. We can't just let anything, <laughs> like, you know, who, who can cross this bridge? It can't just be anybody. Right? It became a real investment. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was quite cool. Basically, you had to guard this bridge. All these wacky things kind of happened. And there was also a bit of, like, places to explore inside the bridge guardhouse as well. Yeah. Um, there were some wizards who tried to get past without paying the toll. But then they lost their concentration and fell. Yeah, they lost their fly spell. <laughs> there was a giant that visited you. There's uh, trolls that trolls wanted to that wanted do to their little the bridge. Uh, yeah. bridge ritual <laughs> on it. So basically, we spent a whole session on it, a fair few hours. But I think it's one of those things that you could like down. Yeah, and I think that that's a good template for jobs in general, too. Like, I like that you Mm. brought that up because, you know, even if you were, I don't know, running a shop or if you were watching over someone's house for an evening or something, it could be a similar kind of, like, wacky encounter thing that you can actually play through instead of just, like, literally hanging out, rolling a dice, and then... Yeah, because that's one of the biggest problems with many downtime activities between your adventures. Yeah, they can often turn into nothing. Yeah. You just get some gold at the end. Yeah, I should clarify that these are the downtime activities to do, like, kind of between adventure beats, not necessarily the ones that you text your DM at 3am the night before the session. 
Mm. I want to have been doing this. <laughs> yes, I was practicing my loot. <laughs> now I'm good. <laughs> so those are jobs. Really, it's a real opportunity for a DM to get creative. I yeah, think. and you they can... are low stakes, and I think it's a thing that players can contribute to in fun ways. Because yeah. I think that's like a kind of canvas that a lot of people enjoy exploring. I think the low stakes thing is important. Yeah. Because there's many players who are quite highly strung, should I say, that don't want to fail. They're quite like afraid of failure. There's quite a few of them out there that or, want to get everything right and not having the possibility of the world ending yeah. hang over them if they fuck up. It's just like nothing happens. Like, okay, you, maybe you don't get paid. Maybe you get paid half or whatever. Yeah, like it's no big worst. deal in the end. Yeah. So it gives them a chance to kind of open up a bit. Yeah, you forgot to feed the cat and now it's cranky, but that's okay. Right. <laughs> but like, uh, also, this is a good opportunity for newer players because in a lot of groups, there's usually a mix of players with different levels of experience. Mm. And I've found that sometimes, like, there are new players that are afraid to contribute because they don't really know what to do and they don't want to, like, do something wrong. Yeah, yeah. Another low stakes environment is perfect to get those people kind of out of their shell and really into Exactly. The game. I mean, the experienced players will have no advantage in these scenarios <laughs> because there's just nothing that, like, their experience can help with. Yeah. We've got a lot to get through. So the next one is crime. Crime pays sometimes. Yeah, this is the what you should really hang on your wall in the teacher's classroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crime crime is a legitimate way of making money in D. So what are some things that you might want to get from crime? I think crime using crime as downtime activity is a little bit difficult because it's always the rogue or the person with the criminal background that wants to do it and there's normally a split in your party between the people that want to do crime and the people that don't it's want morally to because, because they're paladins or something. It's going to yeah. be tough to get the paladin. Yeah. So I think the key to having a good crime downtime activity is to make it kind of quick make it kind of short, like a small heist of a house you can verbally play through. Like, how do you break into the window? And you roll some dice to see if anyone hears you. And then how do you get up the stairs like without anyone hearing you? What do you search? You can just ask like three to five questions, roll some dice and some skill checks, see how they do and give them an appropriate gold reward. It could be gold. I think also you could maybe do like a Thieves Guild type thing, like from Oblivion or Skyrim. Or that, like, yeah, yeah. You gotta yeah. steal something. Right? Or like plant that, evidence, plant evidence on somebody. That know? can also be very cool. The problem is then you're kind of adding story strings that some people might feel left out mm. in. Uh, read your group, really. See how your group feels about it. We've had some players that will just want to get a thing that's like maybe a little bit more unsavory of an item to just possess, like poison or whatever. Yeah. So it's like if you want to get this at all, you have to go into the black market. Yeah, you got to work for it. Yeah. So crime is definitely a, a cool way to make money. And it really yeah, is. Crime because, is cool. Because, I mean, if you're a rogue and your whole identity is dark and edgy, you don't want to be sitting there chopping wood and like <laughs> earning your daily bread there. Mm. That's crime. Next, pit fighting. Yeah, so have you run a game with pit fighting before? I have. I had a kind of mini hierarchy. I made up all these other pit fighters. They kind of, it was a very small group. It was three people. Mm -hmm. They went in as a team and it were, they had like these other teams. They gave themselves a cool name mm -hmm. and there was like this leaderboard uh, mm -hmm. at the end of the season. So they would return and do some pit fighting and I'd roll out all the other teams, how all the other teams did. That's kind of fun um, like as an encounter simulator. Type and what, yeah, what's really cool is you can throw encounters that you would never normally encounter in your world yeah so 
maybe you're playing in a Norse-inspired world or whatever, you can throw something from Egyptian mythology in there. Just be like, you don't know how they got this. Yeah, exactly. This is just wild and out there. Like You'll the never Romans see with it the again. elephants or some shit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You can just pull the weirdest creatures from the darkest recesses of your mind. You finally get to fight the slime blob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and because it's a pit, there's a good story reason for death not to be a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe they lose their hit points, but they're pulled out of the ring at the last minute by some, like, hands at the side. Yeah, you got, like, some old stasis cuffs or something. Yeah, so there's there's no real danger. So you can, then you can really push them. Yeah. Fight the Tarask. <laughs> How did that get here? Should we be worried? Don't worry, it's got a chain. <laughs> so, yeah, pit fighting has a, a few different forces to it. It's not simply just throw some goblins in an arena and let them do an encounter. You can you can build a kind of identity around it mm-hmm. and you can use it as a way to experiment to see how they react to certain creatures, which is also a fantastic way to kind of gauge. If you're worried about putting a creature in later DMs, if you're worried about putting a creature well, in later, there. yeah, you can test maybe a similar creature mm-hmm. that has a similar ability if you're worried about that ability to see how your players react and stuff. Yeah. You can also foreshadow things which is another good story. Yeah, and then you can practice tactics too, which can be fun. Yeah, it's a really, really cool way. Just, again, keep them short. Yeah. With all these downtime activities, it's very easy to get kind of carried away. And for a while, that pit fighting that I ran became the the storyline. And it was cool, I didn't regret it at all. That That was a fully fleshed out thing I was totally ready to do. But don't be afraid if you're not ready to do it, if you want to kind of focus on the story or whatever. Mm. Be aware that this is a thing made to be thrown away, mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's like don't get too attached to it. But if they do get attached to it, if your players do get attached to you it, you can lean into that. Yeah, it's totally cool. Yeah. So, what about running a business? We talked about that a little bit last time. Yeah, this is this is a very difficult one because it's so expansive. Because running a business is such a nebulous term. Are you running a bakery? Are you running a mercenary business? Is it like an import exports? Yeah, so this is quite a cool thing. There's a million homebrews for this. Mm. And honestly, the type of player that really wants to do it will be the type of player that you can text some spreadsheets that you found on the internet (laughs) to at 3am and tell them to fill this in, make some decisions. This is a cool one to do while you're not playing. Like mm-hmm. while you are between sessions, give somebody You've got some hankering stuff to do. for D and D, then yeah, just ask them to film them rolling a skill check or something. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really good idea because I, I think that running a business is it hits one of those beats that I think can be very divergent in terms of player interest. Yeah, right? like yeah, yeah. there are a lot of players who can get really, really interested in this, and then they might be also playing with other players who are really, really not interested. Yeah, I would almost never, other than like the the bare minimums of like what you got, what happened. Like, I would almost never talk about the business inside a D and D session. Mm. Like, talk about what happened like since they were away talk about what they got out of it unless they're actively interacting with it mm. keep it keep it in your group chats mm. keep it in your D group chat because it, it can slog down a session so so quick yeah it, it will slow something down for real one of my kind of like favorite moments as a dm was one of my friends who was working just like at uni like i don't know working flipping burgers or whatever what he was doing and we would just be texting each other 
like what he was doing with his business and stuff mm. so like he had loads of mentally free time to kind of talk through these things mm-hmm. and stuff and it, it was a cool way to like pass some hours for him and I I'm really into those things you've seen the fucking games that I play <laughs> maps <laughs> map simulator <laughs> um, so yeah I was totally down for it but again if you're a player and your DM is really not that person don't try and force it on them mm. it can be miserable because DMs already have like so much work going on with other things and adding this on top yeah that they just don't intrinsically understand kind of thing like it's not on their wavelength to just get numbers 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 down yeah. um, it'll just be unsatisfying for both of you yeah you always gotta worry about inflation <laughs> 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 yeah so let's talk about carousing too yeah we talked about carousing a bit as well while we're running over the last session now carousing in the DMG in the player's handbook carousing is kind of coupled with gambling mm-hmm. and I think they should be separate. I think they should be quite separate. Carousing should be drinking, something social, and they're a fantastic way to make plot hooks. Mm -hmm. If you are kind of between beats in the big story, like you're not just coming up for air dungeon diving, but you're between big beats, and maybe you've had too much, you've had like six sessions of dark and grisly liches doing horrific things to your genitalia, then... This Again. Is, <laughs> this is a really cool opportunity to just have someone wake up in a coffin at their own funeral <laughs> and try and figure it out. <laughs> and it, it's a fantastic way to ad-lib a session. Yeah, and they tend to be on the funny side. Yeah. Which I think is like an, an important quality for the game to have sometimes. So if it's like yeah, getting yeah. too serious or whatever, like carousing can be a fun way to kind of lighten it up. Yeah, and blow off some steam. And you, again, we talked about the carousing tables. There's so many of online. Go check online, get them to roll. And as a DM, one of my favorite exercises was everyone goes carousing and everyone has this different plot hooks. One person is waking up like in the middle of a sacrificial circle with no idea what went on. Another person is waking up in like someone else's grave. Another person is waking up with a trophy and they don't know how they got it. All these kind of things. <laughs> Am I a feudal lord? <laughs> yeah. And trying to, on the fly, weave those into a story that like happened last night as a DM. Like you've got to figure out what happened last night and how these events are connected. Yeah, and then That's you're a, coming in from, like, an in-medias rest type of perspective for yeah, the players. Yeah, and you're trying to kind of, like, it'll click with you as a DM, and then you get to foreshadow what happened last night and yeah. stuff, and everyone puts the pieces together. And there's definitely some times where your players will go, oh, shit, this happened last night, and you were thinking of a completely different story. But now that's funnier. And that's funnier, and you're like, yes, it does, and you do not let your players know. (laughs) You never let your players know that this was not planned. Yeah, players leave the room right now (laughs) really quick. Yeah, you just just plow on with it, and it is a fantastic exercise as a DM, like I said. Yeah, let your players tell the story sometimes. Yeah, totally, totally. That's a real beautiful thing about carousing plot hooks stories lightheartedness yeah on the other side gambling yeah so now that we've separated it what can we do if we want to gamble i think carousing is a bigger time commitment in session and separating the gambling can make it a much smaller time commitment yeah the thing with gambling is essentially what you're doing is you're trying to get money 
and you can have stories out of gambling, but if you're moving the story pressure to carousing, then that leaves the gambling with just making money, which can be cool. You can just play short gambling games mm. in session. Some of my favorite ones is Blackjack. You can yeah. play a round of Blackjack in no time at all. If you just hit, 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 bust, you're done. Hit, hit, stick, done. Hit, hit, stick, done. Yeah. Like you can bust through a round of Blackjack and you can just do best of three and then roll some dice with some modifiers depending on how they did in their IRL blackjack and that's how well they do and you give them gold appropriate. Yeah, and that's a group compatible game too. Yeah, as many people as you want can play. You can also just do something as simple as flipping coins, double or nothing. Win a flip, double or nothing. Win a flip, double or nothing. Yeah. And you can give away like large sums of gold because it's so improbable that they reach all eight. Yeah. You can say like after like three there is a mystery prize and stuff. Yeah. Right, you can do some silly Do you things. want a hundred million gold or the whatever's in <laughs> this box? The box, the box! <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite ones is, it's very simple. I don't think, I, I think about this game every so often and I think it's actually a very simple game. Like a very, very simple game. But it's one that people will say, oh, it's deceptively simple, but it's actually very complicated. But I don't think it is. I think it is just very simple, but it feels complicated. Yeah. Basically, you get three dice, your D12, your D8, your D6. You roll all three, you choose one of those dice to keep. Then you roll the remaining two, you choose one of those dice to keep, and you roll the last one and you keep that dice. You, and you add up all those numbers, numbers, whoever gets the highest wins. So yeah. the DM plays for any NPCs. And it feels like there's loads and loads of strategy and stuff and like which one you pick out. Yeah, because it has an element of choice. But I'm pretty sure you just pick out the D12 if it's like above eight each time and you're probably good. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I don't think the strategy is actually that deep, but it feels very deep and that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> so th those are all some quick gambling games. Yeah, and they have like a variety of different... You can use whatever you have at your disposal to try to like make some little casino. In yeah, this house. is another really, really cool exercise as a DM to flex your creative muscles, creating these micro games because they're even smaller than mini games. Yeah, and you can take inspiration too from video games. There are some that will have like those mini Fable. games inside. I think about Fable a lot. Yeah. There was one of my favorite games was Keystone in Fable, Fable 2, I think. And that's probably a bit too long to play in a D&D &D session, but I'm sure there's like other games that have all these mini games. Or you can just take a full-size game and like shrink it way down you can to try its to core tweak components. It. Yeah. yeah. So this can be a really really cool creative outlet for DMs. Yeah, if you got anything in your house that like you like to play anyway with your friends, like you could just do that, but in D and D. Yeah, just like shrink down the rules and yeah. stuff a little bit. Next up is another aspect of crafting because we talked about. <laughs> yeah, introducing this episode, Remy, <laughs> the thirsty dog. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, pup. Oh, you're a hot boy. Hello. So we talked about crafting last <laughs> last episode. We talked about crafting magical items. We talked about crafting non-magical items. But there's a few like niche cases, things like potions. Yeah, like making something that's not strictly a simple magical item or something. Yeah, like I mean, potions are technically simple magical items. If you wanted just healing and, potions or like maybe some restoration. I mean, if you want a potion of levitation, you, you just cast the levitation spell or you find a potion that's 
close enough, like a stone skin potion will maybe up your AC for a bit. Mm. So you can do it like that. I think there is a real archetype of a player who loves making herbalistic potions. Yeah, like wanting to actually put stuff together. Like I think of like Oblivion where you have like the alchemy table. Yeah, you just you can you can rip the Oblivion system wholesale. I think you can just completely take it out. If people are looking for things, you can just go through the Oblivion ingredients list and just give them that shit. Yeah, because a a lot of it translates too. Yeah, yeah, maybe just a different name, but a lot of the roots, a lot of the plants, a lot of the fungi. Yeah, you can just use that wholesale, and you can copy its effect over. And also, uh, the Oblivion system was very trial and error. I mean, sometimes you'll find, like, on some book that you definitely read when you went to the (laughs) library, like, uh, you'll find some recipes for certain potions, but a lot of it also was just trial and error. Like, you just throw stuff together, and then you, like, learn if that worked or if it didn't work. You could also incorporate that into a dice roll of chance, where... You yeah, know, I could be. To... I'm sure you could very easily make up a table, like a D8 table, to how successful your potion is. And you can either rip out Oblivion wholesale or Skyrim wholesale, or there's a million homebrew versions of this. And it feels progressive because once you have learned a recipe for a potion, then you're like, well, now I'll keep my eye out for these things. And I'll be able to, like, regularly make this type of potion or something. Yeah. One of the problems I found is with some players who will never stop asking for those ingredients, (laughs) wherever (laughs) they are. So as a DM, I think it's kind of important to give a location. Yeah, maybe like, this is where where you get it in a cave. You can only get this in a jungle. You can only get this in a place. And also, don't be afraid to lay down the law that merchants don't have these ingredients. This isn't a world where trade is free. Yeah, Yeah. you can't just go and pick up all this stuff. If they are there, they can be exorbitantly expensive. Yeah. That's fine. Another good thing is always have a gold cost associated with potions. Mm. No matter what, don't let them just herbalize it down. The gold cost should be for maybe ingredients that are just used up. Like ingredients that are readily available, but are just around. Maybe you need some flux or something. This flux is used up in the brewing of a potion. Yeah, um, and I think you can kind of use some of uh, some of the inspiration from the magic crafting table for that. For like yeah, the gold costs associated with things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Making sure that your players are kind of low on gold can help regulate how often they can use these potions because potions are powerful. Yeah. It's basically magic anyone can have. Like yeah. You can give this to the barbarian and stuff. You can make some really strong OP combos. Yeah. If you're opening this Pandora's box. So try and regulate it with gold. Try and regulate it with availability of resources. But also make sure that it seems fair as well. Mm-hmm. Many times I've done this where someone will keep asking for something. You're like, no, it doesn't exist. You're never getting it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not good for anyone, really. <laughs> So, yeah, manage it carefully. Mm. After this is scrolls. Yeah. Creating single-use spells. Similar vein as potions. Yeah. These are much nichier because only magic users can use them, and they're a bit dangerous to be able to write out easily if you have a wizard in the party or something. Yeah. But there's definitely a place for them. Uh, Gold costs associated with it. You can set a time it takes equivalent to the level of the spell. Maybe like writing out a level six spell takes a month or something. 
mm-hmm. like really don't be afraid to regulate it because you can always have it so that they get better at writing and the time comes down but making the time go up feels very cheap would you say that you have to know the spell in order to create this role yeah definitely yeah definitely just like the magic items yeah it's very similar to creating another magic item but having it as a different system that maybe isn't so costly taking 54 years to write yeah, out yeah, a spell yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, can be useful it can, can you be get fun. help on creating spells yeah if they know the spell as mm. well you could create some hybrid scrolls where a wizard and a druid helps write it so a wizard and a druid can read it yeah, okay. which could be quite cool yeah there's definitely some avenues for customization here Mm. I think it might be a good idea to put a limit on the level of spell you can have, though. Maybe sixth is the highest level you can write out. Otherwise, the paper can't contain the power. Yeah. Maybe you need some special paper. Mm. Maybe that can be a whole other fetch quest. Yeah. One of the last things we talked about is religious ceremonies, participating in religious ceremonies. Now, there's a section of this in The Rules as Written, but... I think it's a little bit lame. You get inspiration. I think there's a different place for that. If you are working at a established religious premises. Yeah, you can make something a little bit more creative. Yeah, you can. I really love to give blessings. I think it's really cool. You can have it so that you can only have one blessing at a time or something. Briefly, what is a blessing? The way I like to create blessings are very, very low power abilities. I like to make them active and something that has a very long cooldown. So, for example, you could have one where once a week you can leap 30 feet. Mm. You can just do a 30-foot leap. And it's something that they'll be in some scenario and you will have forgotten about it and they will have forgotten about it and one of them's looking down their character sheet and they see Blessing of Ashiok and you're mm. like, oh shit. I can leap the chasm. <laughs> and it's it's a really, really cool just kind of lateral thinking that they can apply to any situation. I like to keep the blessings very open. Like you can jump anywhere. That could be used for a million billion different things. What kind of resources could you use, like maybe online or otherwise, to find good blessing ideas? Looking up custom items, magic items. Ah, and a lot of people like creating custom those. effects and then watering them down. Always keep them very low power, always keep them very low stakes, but keep them very easy open to end. get. Yeah, that, that yeah. is the important they're thing. They're like, easy, easy to get. Try and make sure that they're not abusable. Yeah. Um, long cooldowns as well. That mm. is a very, very key balancing thing I've figured out. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is really fun, though, to have a lot of like weird little low powered abilities yeah. that you can like accumulate throughout a game. So, this is a pretty fun opportunity. Yeah. For you can either have them accumulable or as a balancing measure, you could have them. One's active at a time. Yeah. You only get one or which maybe God three, which makes more sense in game, really. Yeah. Maybe you one can or have, two. You can only hold favor for like one guy at a time because <laughs> they don't like you. Maybe the time, maybe it has a time limit as well, the blessing. Maybe mm. the blessing only lasts a week. Mm. You've got to use it once in then or you can use it as many times as you like in that amount of time. Would you say you have to like keep favor, maybe you can use favor with the god as like a... That really depends how far you want to take this. Yeah, right. Uh, this could be just a little extra sprinkle of flavor or it can be a cornerstone of your campaign. Yeah, it could just be like, God's bored with you now. <laughs> lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. <laughs> okay, the very last thing we'll talk about is getting inspiration. Now, in the rules as written, you get inspiration when you do religious services, but I think there is a better place for it. Many, many classes will have a thing that they do 
Druids want to commune with nature. Warlocks want to appease their patron. Yeah, all these kind of little flavorful things. There's many, many times that I will have a player come up and say, oh, while they're doing that, I want to be doing this. Yeah. Like, while they're carousing, I'm a paladin, I want to go pray. And it's like, okay. And it's very hard to give a satisfying thing to that. And I don't think the players know what they want to come from that either. They just want something to happen. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult to give something out to something that they can do very often. Yeah, so something I think like spammable. Inspiration is a pretty good cheap. So thing. giving out inspiration, and it's again, it's something that I like to give out inspiration with different dice. Yeah, so it can have different weights. Not just a D six. You can give out a D four inspiration, a D eight inspiration, D twelve inspiration. You can mix and match it. Mm. Didn't say D20. I've mm. given out D20. <laughs> I think someone brought me some chicken wings and I gave them D20 inspiration. Yeah. DMs, DMs allow yourself to be bribed. It is <laughs> worth it. <laughs> your payment. Yeah. <laughs> You're delivering a good. <laughs> <laughs> so that wraps it up for our views on downtime activities. If you have any thoughts, if you have any ideas, please, 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 please message us. Toby at ruleswritenshow.com. Yeah, I would also like to know maybe more kinds of rewards for players to when they want to do something more inventive in their own downtime, because I think a lot of people have their own ideas for things that they want to do that don't fit nicely into like one of these things that you can give a distinct reward for. So yeah. Like, yeah. Cross-pollinate with us. <laughs> give us your ideas. We've given you ours. Uh, you can support us on Patreon. We're on Patreon. Just search Rules as Written. You'll find us. Share this episode with some friends. Yeah, it makes the best Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> you know all this Whenever garbage. Whenever you're listening to this, before. it's a good time. Yeah, message us anything you want. I love to receive your messages. But until next time, take care. See you later. Bye. Alligator.